Welcome to Hearing the Pulitzers, a piece-by-piece, episode-by-episode exploration of the winners of the Pulitzer Prize in Music, with hosts Andrew Grenade and David Thurmeyer. Welcome to Hearing the Pulitzers, episode 22, where we're traveling to 1964, and what should have been the 21st winner of the Pulitzer Prize in Music that was instead awarded to no winner. So no winner. one of my favorites. This is our second no winner, isn't it? That's amazing. Yeah. I can't believe it. In roughly 20 years, right? This is the 22nd Pulitzer Prize. This is the second time they haven't awarded a winner. And yes, if you remember, if you're a dedicated Hearing the Pulitzer listener, you may remember we did an episode in um, 1953 where the music jury recommended Symphony Number no. 2 by the long-forgotten Joseph Wood, but the Pulitzer Prize didn't award it. And so here we are again, so a little over, I guess, 11 years later with the same situation. So, But this was much more controversial than... 1953, because it wasn't just music that didn't get an award in 1964. There was no Pulitzer Prize for music, but also for drama and also for fiction. And that was the first time, so the Pulitzers were established in 1917. It was the first time since the first year that three separate categories did not get an award. That's pretty amazing, because that's that's not just the music board. That's going to be drama and fiction, too, uh, which are imagine would be very distinguished panels too so very surprising so why why would it have been that way in 1964 which seems like there's a lot going on a lot of events uh, a lot of art being made well we can we can talk about some other pieces that were around that year or maybe i should jump to the uh the jury reports here to see what they had to say to kind of give us some context i think it's important to start with the jury because 1964 was a year where there were a lot of important, I mean, looking back on it now, a lot of important American compositions that could have been awarded, could have been discussed. So I think we should start and look and see what the jury was saying, and then we can talk about those other pieces and kind of forecast forward where we're going to go next. Okay, so uh, unlike our next episode where it was even more controversial with a lot of story and you're going to enjoy that episode when we dig into 1965 1964 the problem was the jury was split in their opinion about a potential favorite and then the advisory board couldn't name anything decided to give no award so we do have two letters we have the jury report from irving colladin who was the music editor of the saturday review that's one of those names we see a lot in mid-century writing. Uh, Did he write? That's right, absolutely. Yeah, wrote some books or something too. Uh, So he says, Dear Professor Hohenberg, who is the new Chalmers Clifton, in accordance with the suggestion of your secretary that my recommendations as a member of the music jury be submitted at this time, I am forwarding the conclusion I have reached after reviewing all the eligible material that has come to my attention. In my opinion, There has been no work of the quality suitable for an award by a composer who comes under the terms of eligibility. I am aware that my co-jury member is of another opinion. He agrees with me that all works but one fail to qualify as to quality. I do not agree with him that the one he has chosen meets that standard. So I bet you're wondering, 
what is the work exactly what is the one work of quality from 1964 <laughs> out of all the Everything compositions written. from 1964 what is the one of quality the one quality piece according to miles kastendick who was the opposing juror the dissenting, dissenting jury, juror yeah. yeah he said with due respect for mr colladin's recommendation that no award be given in music this year i submit John Carlo Menotti's opera, The Last Savage, as a minority choice rather than have no award in the music division. And so he taught... The third the opera third... <laughs> by John Carlo Menotti should win the Pulitzer in 1964. It's the only thing of quality. That's right. And so he, he claims, I guess I, I don't know The Last Savage by Menotti, but it's apparently a comic opera. And so he talks about how it's excellent entertainment. It's a substantial work. Uh, it's, I see that the Pulitzer Prize gave the award to Oklahoma 20 years ago, and The Last Savage is quite superior to that. Uh, it's, and then the critical reception for The Last Savage favored at almost three to one. Audience reaction was more receptive. And so he says, uh, uh, I, to be sure, Bonatti has already won two Pulitzer Prizes. <laughs> but I consider The Last Savage as fine in its way as, uh, which, yeah, so he says it's good. And the final thing, a no award verdict appears too severe, though I admit an honorable mention to back up the Minotti would be hard to find. So that was what he recommended. And so as we know, as we've already said, there was no consensus. Which is fascinating because, well, first, I mean, Minotti winning three times would be a little bit Ridiculous. crazy, but yeah. no one knows that opera today. That's the comparison to Oklahoma, <laughs> which which is still performed yes. and still a cornerstone of American musical theater. <laughs> and it's fascinating that there was this split vote, either for nothing or kind of a, you know, weak, maybe Minotti. Yeah. Where if you look over at the fiction jury... The fiction jury didn't even give a finalist to the board. Oh, they couldn't find anything. So the fiction, the fiction jury could find no one. Hmm. So what was going on in 1964 that they couldn't find a single work of quality? Here's just a couple of pieces okay. that might be, you might be familiar with them. <laughs> so if we want to go in the kind of modernist following Elliot Carter, we could go with Milton Babbitt. Hmm. And his work, Philomel, which is now standard in music history textbooks. It's analyzed in music theory. Yep. It is everywhere. That's a standard piece now. That comes out in 1964. And that would have been the first electronic, electroacoustic piece. It would have been transformational in terms of yeah. the pieces that have been honored by the Pulitzer. Nothing like this had been honored by the Pulitzer. It's original, mm -hmm. well-crafted, not worthy. No. <laughs> Another one. Maybe even, I think, more egregious. Terry Riley's N.C. from 1964. Now, if you want to talk about just a sea change in terms of composition, that's one of the works that I would hold up at the 20th century that just transformed everything. But can you imagine in, an indeterminate work sort of winning at that time? I don't know. With this, the type of... It never would have won with this jury. It never would have won with this jury. Yes. Is it worthy? Yes. But in this particular... I can't see Miles Kastendick uh, supporting NC. Agreeing to Terry Riley's NC. <laughs> well, if we want to go even more farther afield, Lamont Young's well-tuned piano, mm. probably his masterwork, was also, I mean, it's hard to pinpoint a date for that particular work, yeah. but 1964 is the date that often gets tossed out there. 
So another masterpiece of minimalism that came out in 1964. But I think you can see what this jury was interested in. Or if we want to go even farther afield, <laughs> and this is close to your heart, of course, <laughs> is what else happens in 1964 in terms of popular music? Well, the Beatles came to America. And the Beatles come to America. Yes, and I want to hold your hand and a big, a huge big thing happening but of course we would be many years far away from popular music even being considered for the prize so yeah I, it's interesting just like do you think well i don't know i'm wondering just about the the whole the, in, the onslaught of popular music because the beatles of course i'm very biased but they were they did make a huge impact at that time and yet the the board would remain pretty stodgy for several years beyond so do you think they just were operating in a completely different realm or they just kept everything to their original beliefs well we've been seeing slowly i mean after chalmers clifton <laughs> left the board we've seen a little bit of variety in terms of the types of pieces that they're honoring yeah. but there still is very much a focus on european western classical tradition it needs to fit into that box and i think that it was going to take a while for them to be able to see that there was music of value in any other field whether it be jazz whether it be popular music whether it be film music any of those they're looking very specifically at kind of chamber music opera art music. symphony yeah. art music mm -hmm. of a specific kind and it comes back to the foundation of the Pulitzer and who those first winners were, right? This kind of, we've talked a lot about this old boys club, mm -hmm. this network of elite Ivy composers who all know each other. And it's like, Hey, you know, it's so-and-so's time. I mean, I don't think anyone would say it was Minotti's time, especially <laughs> they were really, after having won twice before. They were really that hard up to find anybody else, but oh, it's time for Giancarlo again. <laughs> but this is one of the reasons why I'm actually surprised that someone like Milton Babbitt wouldn't mm. even, get a consideration because he was in that world yes. and he would have been known by those individuals. Terry Riley, of course, he's off yeah. on the West coast. No one knows what's going on. I completely understand that the Beatles, they're a, they were a fad. Music. Yeah. They, people thought they were a fad. Yeah, exactly. But Milton Babbitt seems like he would have been someone who could have been nominated and been considered but I think you can tell that they're not quite ready to award electroacoustic mm. music yet. It's going to be, you know, roughly another 10 years before they get to that point. Yeah, because he totally fits the archetype for, you know, Ivy League composer, uh, very high modernist music, uh, very academic, uh, yeah, teacher, professor, kind of fits the bill completely. So, he totally and he does. never won, which is uh, something that, that's also a very interesting fact. You would think that. If, the, if this is the most institutional establishment type of award that somebody like Milton Babbitt would have won, but he didn't. So, and he did not in 1964 either. And it's fascinating, but it also kind of gives us, um, I think it lays the groundwork for 1965. And since we started this podcast, we've been looking forward to ah. 1965 <laughs> because of the controversy, but they just laid the groundwork. In fact, uh, the controversy that continues because uh, the very next month, um, so the Pulitzers are announced, they say, hey, no one's going to win. In June, the nominations for the 49th Pulitzers, 
So in all categories, what's fascinating is that because of the no awarding in three areas, they decided to change procedures for what they're going to do. So they made changes in terms of the fiction prize, the drama prize, of course, but especially the music prize. So the drama and the music prize, they said, we're going to give extra time. We're going to make sure we have enough time to find these pieces of quality. So they, they added an additional month. So instead of going from April 1st to the following March 31st, which is the typical window, they pushed it back to March 1st until the following uh, March 31st. So you have 13 months instead mm. of 12 months to give a little extra time so they could hopefully find something that would be of quality that they could award for the next time that they would award them uh, May 3rd, 1965. Unfortunately, that didn't, didn't work happen. Out so well, did it? <laughs> so, on our next episode, we'll get to talk a little bit about that controversy and how, in many ways, 1965 is a watershed year for the music prizes of the Pulitzer. Well, in the meantime, before we close out, are you going to go check out uh, Minotti's opera? That that, that it, it sounds like a real hoot here, a real uh, comic uh, comic opera, The Last Savage. I would have to see if it's even been recorded. <laughs> I've never, I've never heard of that Minotti opera. No, me neither. <laughs> no matter what Miles Kastenbeck had to say, this is not one that just. I'm not going to choose that over Oklahoma. No, let me tell you. No, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> well, that's it for this episode of Hearing the Pulitzers. Uh, as always, you can find more about this project at our website, HearingThePulitzers.com, where you'll find links um, to other ideas. We'll try to put some of these pieces we've talked about up on the website so you can go listen to Babbitt's Philomel or Terry Riley's NC if you don't know those works. Also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at H Pulitzers for links and trivia between episodes. And then finally, if you thought this episode was strange, <laughs> it gets even weirder on our next episode when the music committee goes public with its deliberations. Until then, keep listening. Thank you.